Which of these three, in thy opinion, was neighbor to him that fell among the robbers? In the 53rd uh, book of Isaiah, we hear these words recorded in the word of God. Surely he hath borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our iniquities. He was bruised for our sins. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his bruises we are healed. We have two things to consider. First of all, St. Augustine considers the example of our Lord, for he points out that he willed to be understood as a Samaritan. He came down, seeing mankind powerless and beaten upon by the devil, stripped of sanctifying grace and left for dead. He comes and he places man upon his beast. That is, he bears him when he takes up his cross and he restores him to life. We can also consider the fact, as the fathers of the church point out, that he gave him two denarii, representing the, uh, the two, twofold law, law of, love of God and love of neighbor. And also that he said he would come back and he would repay, as our Lord will, on the last day. St. John Chrysostom, in speaking about the man, says, We must needs pity the ill fortune of the man who fell unarmed and helpless among robbers. And who is so rash and unwise as to choose the road in which he could not escape the attack of the robbers? So we should have pity on that man who went down. And we should imitate our Lord who had pity on that man. Today, everywhere we we look, we see men who have fallen among robbers, spiritual robbers, robbers who have stolen their sanctifying grace away from them who have beat them with all sorts of things like impurities, images. Some who were rash enough to expose themselves to images early on in life and have weakened their souls and are lying there half dead. Others who are so unwise as to choose the road that leads to hell rather than the one that leads to heaven. Our Lady of Fatima told the three children, You have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes to establish in the world devotion to the Immaculate Heart. Pray, pray much, and make sacrifices for sinners. For many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray and make sacrifices for them. Many souls go to hell because they have no one to pray and make sacrifices for them. Later on, she appeared to Jacinta, And said, the sins which lead the most souls to hell are sins of the flesh. Well, Our Lady asks us to pray for sinners, but not only to pray, to make sacrifices for them. To make sacrifices. And what kind of sacrifices can we perform? What kind of things can we deny ourselves to help others, those who have fallen into especially sins against the flesh? There was a little story about a, uh, a woman who go, went about and she would teach about chastity, about modesty. And as she went into certain schools, public schools, she would ask, she would take the boys apart and they, she would ask them what it is that they thought in regards to women's dress. And they would say things like, it is too revealing. 
And I wish the girls would dress a little bit more modestly. They leave little to the imagination. And she brought this back to the girls and said, Do you know what the guys are saying about you? And she told them, and they were shocked. They were shocked. The girls in the school did not suspect the degree to which their dress and their actions played in forming the purity of those young men. Nor did they suspect that they had a crucial role in forming society by how they dressed and how they behaved. In a little while, we'll talk about how the enemy does know and takes this into account in their actions. But right now, we'll point out that modesty is that of charity, of bending down to the weaker, especially in this society where, where men have been attacked and become far more weaker, maybe because of the, their road that they went down. It's true. And the roads that they shouldn't have been down because they stupidly have gone down those roads. But what are we doing? What can we do about it? How can we take back society? Can people be more charitable? What role can women play in this role, in this fight? Pope Pius XII says, quote, But how can you know anything of the impression made on others? Who can assure you that others do not draw, therefore, incentives to evil? You do not know the depths of human frailty. How truly was it said that if some Christians' women could only suspect the temptations and falls they cause in others with modes of dress and familiarity of behavior, which they unthinkingly consider of no importance, they would be shocked by the responsibility which is theirs. This he said, Pope Pius XII said, in an allocution on the 22nd of May, 1941. How far have the standards fallen of dress today? He goes on to say, beyond fashion and its demands, there are higher and more pressing laws, principles superior to fashion and unchangeable, which under no circumstances can be sacrificed to the whim of pleasure and fancy, and before which must bow the fleeting omnipotence of fashion. These principles have been proclaimed by God, by the Church, by the saints, by reason, by Christian morality. As St. Thomas of Aquinas teaches, the good of our souls must take precedence over that of our body, and to the good of our own body we must prefer the good of the soul of our neighbor. End quote, Pius XII. So what are two principles that we could look at when we come to dress? First of all, let's look at the intention. And then second of all, let's look at the object or the clothing itself. The intention can be upright, it can be frivolous, or it can be sinful. The intention can be upright. When one dresses to adorn themselves for a good end, a wife to please her husband, or maybe to cover some natural defect for a person, or just simply to adorn oneself in dignity, the dignity that is accorded to womanhood. There can be the intention which is frivolous. For example, when one tends towards vanity, superficiality, provided the clothing itself in this case is not provocative, this does not extend or exceed that of venial sin. And then finally, there is the serious sinful intent when the intention is to seduce the neighbor and to excite the passions of others. And this type of intention is always sinful, matter of the situation. 
Uh, one time my mom was telling me when she was, when she was uh, growing up, she, um, she was in the dressing room, and in the dressing room on the other side of her, there was a mother who was wanting their child to dress in something which was immodest. And she said, no, the child was saying this to the mother, no, it's too immodest, it shows too much. And the mother was saying, she told her, well, how do you expect to find a man? Well, what kind of answer is that? And what kind of man does she expect her child to find except the man who's centered on things that are bad? So we look at the intention, but we should also look at the clothing itself. Clothing can be considered normal, can be excessive or indecent. It can be considered normal if it conforms itself to the legitimate styles and the right of the region, of the people of good conscience, and the same social structure as themselves. So it can be legitimate if it conforms to those of the people of good conscience in that area. It can be considered excessive without falling into the category of immoral or indecent if it exceeds the bounds of current use. And then finally, indecent, when it results in the provocation of the majority of honest men if exposed to this, if it causes the fall of many of them in thought or desire. That's when it is indecent. So practically speaking, how does this apply? Well, Pius XII got more specific, and he pointed out four different points. First of all, dresses which hardly suffice to cover a person. And we go back to a previous document that was written under Pius the 11th. The cardinal vicar of Pius the 11th laid out these standards. We recall that a dress cannot be called decent which is cut deeper than two fingers breaths under the pit of the throat, which does not cover the arms at least to the elbows. And then he made a concession for short sleeves due to the impossibility of marketing conditions. And then he says, and those things which scarcely reach a bit beyond the knees. St. Padre Pio had the uh, brothers make a sign specifically because women would not come uh, modestly dressed. A second thing we should consider is that others, others that seem designed to emphasize that that they should rather conceal. They emphasize that which they should rather conceal. Remember, the clothing is meant to conceal, not to reveal. So one can consider tight-fitting clothing, tight jeans, tight-fitting blouses, sweaters, and the like, or even see-through material. Then for a third consideration is those sports that are performed in such clothing, those things that we should also consider avoiding. And then the last one is the kind of exhibitionism, which is irreconcilable with the least demanding standard of modesty. So these are the four things that Pope Pius XII pointed out. Dressing, which hardly covers the person. Dressing, which emphasizes that which it should rather conceal. And then sports performed in such things. And then the type of exhibitionism, which is irreconcilable with that. But we need to start off young. So Pius XII says, O Christian mothers, if you only knew what a future of worries, dangers, and shame you lay up for your sons and your daughters by imprudently accustoming them to live barely attired, making them lose that natural sense of modesty, you would blush and take fright were you to know the shame you inflict upon yourselves and the harm which you occasion to your children, 
entrusted it to you by heaven to be brought up as a, in a Christian manner. This all from an allocution he gave in 1941, May 22nd. Why is the church so uh, adamant about this? Why do they speak about this? It's not because they hate women. They love Our Lady. We have Our Lady here on the altar. We have Our Lady depicted we, in, in images. We have saints, beautiful saints that have gone before. We have to consider that the church loves them. Consider what was written about the saints. An excerpt from, uh, from Butler's Lives of the Saints. St. Perpetua. Perpetua and Felicitas had been exposed to a wild bull. Perpetua was first attacked, and the bull, having tossed her up, she fell on her back. Then putting herself in a sitting posture and perceiving her clothes were torn, she gathered them about her in a manner that she could to cover herself, thinking more of the decency than her sufferings. She was just attacked by a wild bull. And here she is considering her decency. St. Rose of Lima, whose feast we just celebrated yesterday, on hearing others frequently commend her beauty, she often used to, before she went out, she used to rub her skin, her face, with this uh, powder, this bark, bark from a powder, which caused uh, the, her skin to uh, produce blotches and swellings. We're not asking any of the women to rub anything onto their skin. Which but this just shows the extent and what they were thinking. They loved, they loved those around them. They loved their neighbors. They didn't want to put them on any occasion of sin. All we have to do is consider our own self, our own dignity. And we, even when it's hot, we can say, I can do this for my neighbor. I can suffer these things. After all, we suffer that as well. We have clothing that goes up to our neck and down to our feet, and it covers up to our elbows. And it's black. And we're willing to do this because of the dignity of the priesthood. Women should consider the dignity of womanhood. The dignity that God has created to call them to be his daughters. To call them to share in the same gender of our natures, our fallen natures, solitary boast, Our Lady. When one considers the great dignity that is set aside for young ladies, one would be happy to embrace these things. But as we said, the enemy of the church has noticed this. For we, in a letter between two leaders of the Masonic Alta Vendita, dated 9 August 1938, the following is exchanged. It is corruption on a big scale that we have undertaken a corruption that should one day enable us to lead the church to its grave. Lately, I heard one of our friends laughing philosophically at our project, saying, to destroy Catholicism, we should do away with women. The idea is good in a certain way, but since we cannot rid ourselves of women, let us corrupt them with the church. The International Review on Freemasonry in 1928 said, Religion does not fear the dagger's point, but it can vanish under corruption. Let us not grow tired of corruption. We may use a pretext such as sport, hygiene, health resorts. 
It is necessary to corrupt that our boys and girls practice nudism and dress. To avoid too much reaction, one would have to progress slowly in a methodical manner. First undress up to the elbow, then up to the knees, then arms and legs completely uncovered, later the upper part of the chest, the shoulders, etc. And it seems that it is apparent to them that, as it is to the church, that women are a pivotal players in the battle for purity today. Our Lady said that there will be uh, there will be fashions that will be introduced into the world which will displease our Lord very much in 1917. And how far have we fallen? But we can see what great role a woman, women can play. The other day I was down, actually yesterday, I was down at the cathedral, and uh, I think there were some of our parishioners who were walking out there. They were modestly dressed, and I uh, waved to them. They waved back, um, but they were following the codes of Our Lady. They were seeking to imitate the Blessed Virgin Mary, and being those models of purity. How much it raises up the spirits to see these lilies among thorns. What a great thing it is. What a great duty. What a great privilege. Our Lord has also called us to assist those. It's a question of charity. It's about taking back society. And women play a key role in this fight. We will finish with words from Pope Pius XII. Will you then, for the love of Christ... In the esteem for virtue, not find at the bottom of your hearts the courage to sacrifice a little well-being, a physical advantage, if you will, to conserve safe and pure the life of your souls. Which of these three, in thy opinion, was neighbor to him that fell among the robbers? But he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do thou in like manner. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us.